It's your week, your sports, the new Clarksville Now podcast. I'm John Glass, along with Jeff Matthews and Christian Brown. All right, it's your week, your sports. John Glass here with Mr. Christian Brown and Jeff Matthews. Back for another week of some awesome local sports with a touch of national uh, news in there as well. Boys, how are we doing? Doing fantastic. Have had a great week so far. How are you over there, Christian? I'm doing pretty good. You know, some crazy things took place over the weekend, so should we dive right into it? For sure. We got a lot on the plate today. Some high school action, playoff baseball going on right now. We're going to talk about Austin P baseball and softball. A little bit more crazy in the baseball realm. Uh, unfortunately, the softball season is over. And then we are going to get into some national stories. Nate the Train Landwehr, his fight is official. UFC 289. And we're going to talk all Titans action. That's coming up, but let's get right into it. High school sports. Christian, we got playoff baseball going on, and two local powerhouses are still in there and uh, still going back and forth. Yeah, so backtracking to the weekend, Ross Hugh uh, actually played against CHS at Clarksville High, and Ross Hugh came back from a five-run deficit in the top of the seventh inning to win the region championship 10-8. to Yes, sir. So I'll tell you what, that was one of the craziest comebacks you'll ever see in high school athletics. Uh you know, major props to Ross Hugh, especially the Wildcats were on a five-game win streak entering that matchup. matchup. So, you know, Ross Hugh defeated a stellar team on a hot streak. So you have to really respect what they accomplished. I mean, every week when we talk about high school baseball, it seems like we are always bringing up, <clears throat> excuse me, Ross View, Cent- or, uh, Clarksville High School and Clarksville Academy. Clarksville Academy did get eliminated this past week, but I mean, those three schools have really just come out and have played incredible baseball especially in this later portion of the season yeah yeah that's definitely the case and you know last year was kind of all over the field for say so but those three teams have been the dominant like they've just dominated the entire county and you know at a state level they've been three of the best teams that in their divisions do you think there's been an uptick in hitting or pitching do you think what or do you think that both of those have kind of grown in the game so much in the high school level that we're seeing a lot more competitive baseball in the overall aspect or is pitching pitch pitching i don't think has really become a centerpiece for baseball anymore hitting has been kind of the name of the game for the past few years you know one thing i think for ross u high and clarksville academy they get things done offensively now when you look at chs brian hetland really builds up those pitchers on in their pitching rotation and it makes a difference and you can see that and that's one reason like they have been dominant all year. Like, and they'll one thing that he spoke on. Like, he knows they don't blow it up offensively. Like, they occasionally do. Definitely, they have the ability to do so. But they get it done on the defensive side of the ball, and that's something he's really proud of. Uh, when I actually spoke with him when Christian Henderson was Player of the Week, uh, they he's talked about how the guys behind him actually fielded. I think it was over 900 on the season which is absurd for the high school level you know then you'll look at players like dj merriweather like just dominating and he's going to make it such an impact for austin p because of what he can do on the mound and in the batter's box and austin p we're going to get into that in a little bit but austin p not not in the market of a pitcher and so i think that they're really, really really looking forward to having dj be a part of the austin p governor's team but talk about I mean the experience that Merriweather is getting right now, seeing that competitive side of um, 
the high school realm of things, getting into these later portions of the season. And, you know, we, we kind of talk about it a lot. There's a grind work that comes in this part of the season. I mean, it is nonstop baseball once you start the playoffs. I mean, you have a game either. I mean, you might have a weekend full of games and then you might have four or five days off and then you're right back into the next tournament. Yeah. And there's a lot of longevity that these players are having to see. You know, one thing to think about, too, imagine if we got this season Clarksville Academy playing against Clarksville High and Rossview High. That's something I feel like we were not robbed on, but just an opportunity missed out on just because of how loaded that Clarksville Academy senior class was. Right. And to see them collide with the other two powerhouse teams in our county would have been just stellar to and, see. And Clarksville High School and um, Rossview, you said that there's another chance that they'll see each other again, yes. correct? Yeah, so Rossview hosts Collierville uh, at home on Wednesday for sectionals. Then after Clarksville High beat uh, Henry County on Sunday to qualify for sectionals, they now travel to Arlington uh, to advance the sectionals as well. So if they both defeat their matchups, they could face it once again in the next round of competition. Would love to see that. That rivalry is just so big growing up here, going to Rossview. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the best in the state, man. That's well, the thing about it. I mean, in baseball, football, yeah, basketball, everything. like the students go absolutely insane for it. You'll see them lining the fences. You'll see them uh, going out there when the Warfield Shield's going on this fall. Like, it is a big rivalry. It has, like, Ross, you got here in 2001. Like, my mom went to Clarksville High uh, back in the, like, 80s, 70s or something. Sorry, Mom. Uh, but, uh, Yikes. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it is a awesome rivalry, and, uh, yeah, I would love to see those two get back in there for, like, a chance to go to the state championship. Yeah, and that's not to take away anything from the other county teams. But, no, no, like, no, no, And that just speaks to the level of competition throughout the county. Like, everybody is just, I feel like, we're growing continuously in every single sport, but particularly in baseball, we've made that jump, in my opinion. And I think every time that we talk about how awesome the sports are doing, we always have to come back to the realization that a new high school is coming. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to see more talent get spread across this city. And that could be, I mean, one of these teams might not have uh, a couple of great years. Maybe they're <laughs> going to have to. Maybe it is Kirkwood that doesn't have a great couple of years trying to build their program. Or maybe the way that things get drawn and the way people end up having, or what the way people end up going to school, <clears throat> we might see Kirkland come out the gate with a really strong core and are able to push into those later portions of the playoff. Um, that case scenario, that's really only time's going to tell on what's going to happen yeah. with that. But I think everybody's just super excited for the awesome competitive sports that we're seeing right now. And then we talk about growing athletics. We're adding, we've already added this past season. Um, all high schools started the girls flag football initiative by the Tennessee Titans. And we spoke with head coach of West Creek, Aaron King, Aaron King then took his team all the way into the championship and won on that first season for them. And I think it's just, everybody is so excited to see more and more athletics, get some attention more and more athletics, just continuing to grow. It's beautiful to see. And just to kind of jump to another subject real quick, softball also has three County teams uh, in the region championship. Uh, actually Ross, you just eliminated Northwest high school from the region championship or region tournament rather. Uh, after they defeated them. And uh, Rossview advances to play Henry County uh, on Wednesday. Then MCHS defeated Muff Central 14-3 to to advance and play Greenbrier on Wednesday as well. So there's other things going on outside of baseball. I just want to make a quick note of that as well. Hate to see it. Rossview taking out Northwest. My dad went to Northwest. So, uh, yeah. 
you want to say the year on that one too? Uh, 1976. <laughs> All right, there you yes, go. Yes, 1976. Okay. Shout so, out to uh, Mr. Glass. Yeah, old Rick Glass. Uh, yeah, no, high school sports is absolutely fantastic right now. There's a lot of cool stuff happening, and uh, like you were saying, with the new high school opening up, we're going to see more talent be spread out, which is just another opportunity to create a staple in Clarksville and uh, just continue this domination. But uh, we're going to wrap things up on the high school level and move on over to the absolute absurdity of Austin's B Sports right now. Jeff, there is... Uh, pure chaos. Let's get um, the less chaotic thing out of right. the way first uh, with the unfortunate end to the softball season. So softball goes into the A-Sun tournament last week. Had some immediate success. Went up against Stetson. Defeated Stetson. Uh, they moved on to play Jacksonville State. Austin P came out with a loss on that one. 2-1 to one against the Gamecocks. And then going into that third game, uh, Austin P battling the number one seed for the tournament, Central Arkansas, after Central Arkansas took a loss in the first round. So now... Uh, Central Arkansas moved on. Austin P does end their softball season. Just kind of went in and then just didn't have some luck in the pitching world. Uh, Jordan Benefield did a great job early in the season, but then kind of towards the later games, we kind of saw her kind of take a little bit of a dive off. We also saw some struggles at the plate. Austin P just couldn't really overcome those. And then a Central Arkansas team was just super strong, came out with bats firing. I think it was in the sixth inning. Uh, Central Arkansas put eight up on the board for the governors. And then at that point, Austin P just couldn't really get the offense moving, couldn't, you know, <clears throat> create opportunities, I guess, to put r- more runs across. You know, the thing about it real quick, John, like that Central Arkansas team was probably fired up after they got shut out. Oh, yeah. So that that didn't help their case at all, and but one thing is too like that game against Stetson, what a finish! Yeah, you know, oh that, man, like that was a crazy finish at the plate. You know, they got her by how like inches probably right inches. We rewound Maybe one it. step. Well, yeah. yeah, me and Christian were looking at that for a good ten minutes. Just rewind. I could it. watch that all day. Plays sure. like that, beautiful especially shut out from, a game like oh yeah, beautiful. For those who didn't see, it was a beautiful throw from left field down to home. Play at the plate for the last out. It was Stetson having an opportunity to tie the game at the plate. Austin P gets that tag at home and. Uh, Incredible moment, like you said. One of those cool sports moments that you get to watch yeah. and be like, yeah, I got to watch that. Rope, too. Yeah. And yeah. like, look, I, I got smaller hands, so like throwing <laughs> softball for me is not easy. And to throw it on a rope like that, that just blows my mind. Incredible. Just pretty crazy. But uh, yeah, no, what you were saying, Christian, you know, after uh, Central Arkansas got shut out, here's the thing. We talked about this before. We talked about this with uh, Coach Cassie Stanfield, that tournament style of play. Like these girls are no strangers to this. They've been doing it in uh, travel ball, uh, little league, all of that stuff. And uh, yeah, it's back to back to back. It's a blessing and a curse. They know what to do. And then you just got to perform. And uh, it can be tiring playing back to back games. Unfortunately, it just didn't pan out for the governors in uh, this realm. You know, in Central Arkansas, did get a pretty good break in between the games. <clears throat> a little bit of time to rest, a little bit of time just to recuperate. Um, you know, it, it was just a tough loss for the governors. Unfortunately, just the cards didn't fall where they wanted to. But, you know, and it's this was now the fifth season for head coach Cassie Stanville. Yeah. She's done incredible things. Oh, yeah. There's program. no doubt about I mean, it. she has done Awesome, awesome stuff. I think, what, what did we say? She was the quickest to 200 wins for the Governors. I think 100, out of, yeah. Uh, out of 100 wins. Um, has had, had had back-to-back 30-game seasons, 30-game yeah. 30 30 game win seasons. I honestly don't see uh, the Governors going anywhere but up 
as we move For forward sure. in the A Sun tournament, as in the A Sun standings period. Yeah, um, they played a great season. I think one thing that I think Stanfield is going to want to touch on is a little bit of longevity in pitching, consistency, consistency throughout the season. Yeah, exactly. Those are just some of those normal things that most teams are going to have on their things to work on in the off season. Yeah, and it's hard to have let's say three to five arms where you can actually trust them to go like let's say five innings right. even four you right. know yeah. it's just hard for them to get that consistency and you know austin in softball and softball you have pitchers a lot of more pitchers can go full games and you go seven innings it's a more natural throw so these pitchers can just do it longer um one thing austin p they only really have and i, I mean this our other pitchers have done fantastic for Austin yeah. P. Jordan yeah, Benefield is the ace for Austin P at this point in time. Yeah. She gets used a lot. She gets used in relief and she gets used to start. Usually when she starts, she doesn't leave until about the fifth or sixth. You're wearing out your pitcher a lot. And I don't think Austin P currently has somebody who's going to be the level of Jordan Benefield this season. And I think that's where they saw a lot of those issues. I think Samantha Miner got a start for the Governors. I think it was in their second game against Jacksonville State. She performed very well. Quality during, start. I mean, incredible start. I was very pleased with how it went. And then I think she got pulled. I don't know if you remember what inning she got pulled. I think it was around the fourth. I think it was the fourth and um, Jordan came out. Jordan Benefield came in and I almost... I, well, not even almost. I kind of said that. I think that that kind of was a mistake. I think Samantha yeah. was doing pretty well. She did. I think she uh, ended up having two on, and then Jordan Benefield came in, loaded the bases, and then that's when Jacksonville State was able to score the, for uh, was able to take the lead against the Governors um, off a grand slam. Off a grand slam, and that one was tough to watch. But again, I think in that situation, I really thought the Governors were going to do well with leaving Samantha Miner in for just a little bit longer. Yeah, and I think that that might be something that um, Coach Stanfield could have learned during that game yeah. is seeing that Samantha Miner, I think was ready. She Legit. wanted to be out there, but you but know, in, yeah. In her defense too, though, like, but you also this don't is know a che- this yeah. is a chess match. Yeah. We right. don't know what was going on. We don't know in that situation. Yeah. It definitely called for the ACE to come on. Yeah. But my, my idea thinking was that what could have been, what yeah. could have happened? Could have, should have, would have everything's right. hindsight, 50, 50, 20, 20, whatever you want to, I'm sure out it. of a hundred times, she'd probably, do that decision. Oh yeah, probably ninety, ninety percent of the time, and then about ninety percent, well, eighty nine percent of the time. I don't want to speak for her though. Right? Too. Yeah, that's true too. And, and look, like you said, Jeff, th- this Govs team is just going to be going up from here. No shame. No, this was a great season, and they should absolutely be proud of it. We'll have to maybe ask Cassie to get back in here and discuss the. Uh, recruiting class she has coming yeah, in too because sure. that's just going to add a whole lot of talent to the pool and there's a lot of great athletes. talent of softball players here in the state of tennessee in, oh yeah uh, i mean in the Williamson county. county wilson county you go out here in this county montgomery yeah. i mean there is just a ton of softball talent very excited to see what happens with the softball team going over into the baseball world oh, okay. we have um we're kind tr- of a predicament not we're gonna try to unpack this for you the best that we can so let us we're gonna start with currently where the austin p governors sit in the standings so right now <laughs> at the number one spot it's lipscomb number two uh florida gulf coast number three stetson number four jacksonville state Number five, Jacksonville. Number six, Eastern Kentucky. Number seven, Liberty. Number eight, Austin P. And then I'm going to give you the next three here. Uh, number nine, North Florida. Number 10, Kennesaw State. And number 11, Central Arkansas. The key thing to know about this right here is the top eight teams go. So Austin P is currently sitting in that number eight spot. However, the biggest thing right here, 
Teams starting from Jacksonville, Eastern Kentucky, Liberty, and Austin P are all tied, all tied right now. <laughs> So, what does that really mean? Well, that means that there are four spots available for the number five spot. Um, one of those teams is probably going to end up, could end up being kicked out. That could be your starting, or that could be your eight into the tournament with North Florida being left out. Yeah. It all really depends on what this weekend looks like. And there are a couple of games that are going to be interesting to watch. So, we're, lo- we're looking at it right now, and like Jeff was just saying, five through eight. All sitting at 14 and 13 right now. And then you have North Florida at 9 at 13 and 14. And then you got Kennesaw State and Central Arkansas. Both still there at 12 and 15. So any of those 5, 6, 7, and 8 teams flub up and just do not perform this weekend. Right. Kennesaw, uh, Kennesaw State and Central Arkansas could very well squeak their way in. But here's the real thing, too, is... We were making sense of this looking at the A-Sun Baseball Championship seeding rules. Right. So here is how it goes. The regular season champion will obtain the number one seed. No matter what. No matter what. Now here's where it gets tricky. Seeds two through eight shall be set entirely, and we're reading this from the A-Sun website. Seeds two through eight shall be set entirely based on the NCAA RPI as available the morning after the A-Sun regular season Concludes Now, what does that mean? RPI uh, is basically your wins and your losses and strengths of schedule. So if we're looking at it right now, actually, the RPI, Lipscomb, is number one. They are 96 in NCAA RPI. Florida Gulf Coast is 54. So, like, let's say Lipscomb, they win this weekend. They're going to stay at number one. Let's say they lose this weekend. They could very well bump down to number three. Or to number two, because Liberty, who is sitting at seventh right now, is 69th in RPI. So Liberty might be seventh in the standings, but they may very well be the number three seed. Yep. And it is, it it gets tricky for pretty much every team above Austin P in this situation. And I say that with the meaning of Austin P is dead last right now in RPIs. Yes. So the governors... Their biggest concern right now is they just can't drop into the ninth position of A-Sun's standings. The only thing that could change for Austin P and RPI is if somehow after this weekend, Jacksonville, who is 175, and Austin right. P, who is 178, somehow they flip-flop. I don't necessarily see that happening. Uh, Austin P is just, they've given up a Jacksonville lot. Jacksonville puts up yeah. runs. Uh, well, Jacksonville's not they a bad baseball runs and their team. strength of schedule right. is... A little Better. bit higher. Yep. So that's the big concern. Austin P. If Austin P. ends up dropping into that ninth position, their biggest concern is going to be uh, really North Florida getting out some uh, a couple of wins, being able to go out in front. And that's really if Austin P. just completely loses all three of their games. Biggest thing for Austin P. is really they win two games, even if they win one, pretty much nearly seal going to the A Sun tournament. So I think Austin P. right now is just looking to make sure that. North Florida doesn't find its way to creep up in front of them to take that eighth spot. Because if Austin P won one, they'd be fifteen and they would in lost two, they would be fifteen and fifteen. And then Correct. North Florida could very well be fifteen fifteen and fifteen or fifteen and so what? Yeah, no, fifteen fifteen. They could be, be fifteen and fifteen and then we'd be going into the RPI. That's what we're talking about. This is confusing. But uh no, they could be fifteen fifteen too, and then what's the tiebreaker on that? RPI? I believe it's RPI. And I don't know if Austin P beats North Florida in RPI, does it not? I I'd have to recheck it, but I don't necessarily think so. I don't think they do. And if that's the case, then North Florida would be getting into the tournament, Austin P would be left out. 
It's all speculation, too. All speculation. This is There's just so, there is, what could happen. Again. There is so many scenarios that could happen. Austin P could sweep the series and be good. North right. Florida could sweep the series. Kennesaw State. Everybody. Like, so I did go ahead and I did kind of make up a prediction list of things that I think are going to happen just based off what's going, who's going to be playing who and um, kind of what they've looked like all season. So Lipscomb is going up against Bellarmine. I'm going to give Bellarmine the benefit of the doubt here and say that they're going to pick up at least one win against Lipscomb. It might be that Friday or that Thursday game okay. uh, that they have, but I think Bellarmine's going to get at least one. So Lipscomb's going to win at two and they'll end up taking that number one spot. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast, I think that they're going to go ahead and sweep Kennesaw State. Uh, Lipscomb currently with uh, a little bit of a lead right now in that first spot, so Florida Gulf Coast would end up at number two. Stetson, will, uh, Stetson I think they're going to win two games against Queens. They're going to be third. I think they're going to be third no matter where you place them at as far as they're winning right now, uh, as far as their wins go right now. Jacksonville State's going to drop, but they're going to end up at fourth. EKU is going to pick up two games against Central Arkansas. I think that's my big 50-50 game. EKU versus Central Arkansas can really go either way. It just depends on how Central Arkansas shows up. If they show up with pitching like they did uh, against Austin P, I think Central Arkansas could very well go deep into the ASUN tournament. So here's somewhere that I'm kind of looking. I'm looking towards the top of the leaderboard. So obviously, Step Lipscomb and FCU, they're one game apart, so they're trying as hard as they can to get that number one seed uh, because they don't want to have to deal with anything else. Now, say for some reason F- FCU drops one or two in the first, and that third game's a decider against Kennesaw State, and Kennesaw State's on a... Like, there's just a lot of things that can happen. With five teams being tied right now for that number five spot... Um, it really just makes it interesting because there really is no idea what can happen. And some of these teams are still so close. Like we, like you were just talking about Florida Gulf coast, Lipscomb and Stetson. They're all fairly close to each other. Those top positions could change with a few losses by one of those teams. And the thing about it is to everybody's hungry right now. Yeah. And I think, you know, looking at it, Austin P has the most, I guess the best opportunity to get the job done this week and really for cl- sure. clinch a playoff berth. So Austin P is going up against North Alabama. And now North Alabama is last in the A-Sun standings and they will not be making the A-Sun tournament. Uh, mathematically, they can't. Yeah. Um, so Austin P, if Austin P can come out and if they just play, they are looking to spoil it. Like, listen, go ahead. But, but here, like North Alabama would love to spoil exactly. Austin P's weekend. And they, they could do that. Austin P just has to go in and, Keep their head down. I mean, they. One thing that they've really struggled with the past few weekends has been uh, pitching. They have gone through so many of their relief pitchers, and maybe that's just the design of this Austin P squad. Is you know we don't necessarily hold on to a true starter, but yet we have a bunch of relievers that can go one, two, three innings, and we can rely on them. Maybe that's the thought that Roland Fanning wants to go with. I don't necessarily think I've seen it work too well the past few weekends. Austin P has lost a few. Um, and I think the times that they have won and the times that they've done well, they've had a pitcher go at least four or five innings. Uh, not too long ago against Central Arkansas, Jacob Weaver got the longest start that Austin P had seen since early April, and he went six. So I think that's something to think about for Austin P. You're going into this final weekend. Maybe just have a little bit of uh, a little more stress on keeping your pitcher out there for a little bit longer. Well, and you saw that. And with, again, that goes back to the, uh, if you can't. Like, if something, if, if it starts going awry, you have to. Well, and you saw Peyton Jula do that this weekend when they went to extra innings. He, I think he did five, four or five. Right, yeah. And uh, 
it is going to be an interesting weekend. One one matchup I'm really looking out because this impacts everything. Jacksonville versus North Florida. Somebody's going to go down in that series. Jacks, that's it, the that is another 50-50 one because I can see North Florida playing as hard as possible just to uh, work on getting Jacksonville out. That's the thing is like North Florida getting Jacksonville out helps Austin P. But Austin P still has to take care of business. Bottom Correct. line. At the end of the period. day, Austin P really needs to win at least they one. They control game. their own destiny. That yeah. is pretty much the gist of it. Uh they gotta win. And uh I think the governors can do it. They've shown throughout this entire season that they can put up big runs. Now, what was your prediction for Austin P this this week, Jeff? So my prediction for Austin P going up against North uh North Alabama, excuse me. Sweep. I would love well <laughs> the uh, I love the Austin P governors. Um, I don't. I'm not necessarily calling a sweep. I think Austin P will win two games out of the okay. three against North uh, That's fair. Alabama. I think That's we're fair. safe in that scenario. For we much. are definitely safe in that scenario. The biggest thing, the the biggest thing, North Florida, Kennesaw, and Kennesaw State. Their big need is for Austin P to be swept by North Alabama, mm-hmm. and then both of those teams would have to win at two games for either of them to kick Austin P out which of is, uh, the eighth spot, which is not out of the realm. Let's not forget Kennesaw state was the number two preseason rank in the a sun. So to say, yeah, so was Liberty and Liberty's at the number seven spot. Yeah. This, Liberty was number one, I believe with preseason poll. I don't think we said this enough. Uh, joking, obviously the a sun baseball this year has been absolutely tremendous. Yep. This is a very big powerhouse conference top to bottom. The governors uh, at one point were averaging 10 runs a game. Two and weeks then, ago, two or three weeks ago, they were looking at the number one. Yeah, the, they were tied yeah. for number one or tied for number two, I think, at one point. It is going to be an exciting weekend. It is going to be great. You can catch all the coverage uh, with Van Stokes uh, starting Thursday. It's going to be Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Going to be uh, some great baseball. Make sure you tune in. Uh, but yeah, that is Austin P Sports. Let's move on to some of the national news. We got Mr. Nate the Train Landwehr going up against Dan Ige in this UFC guy is hungry. 289. So, uh, yeah, it is going to be a fun, fun fight. UFC 289. He is in the main card. He's the fourth from the top fight. Uh, Dan Ige sitting at 16 and 6. Nate Landwehr sitting at 17 and 4. Both vets in this game. Uh, both not afraid to get in there and mix it up. And uh, I think it is going to be absolutely fantastic it's gonna be fireworks i'm sure you know every single time nate steps in the the octagon he lights it up yeah and he is nate is really stepping up his game man and i think a lot of it can be attributed to him training down in miami with mma masters and he you know he was talking to middle easy a website uh talking about that exactly because he's training alongside colby covington like they go do their own separate thing sometimes they maybe work together on conditioning and whatnot but like he was giving them a quote like what it is like to work with somebody who is like in that spotlight like colby covington he goes i see this man every day he does his thing i do my thing we're like two ships passing at bay uh he's like it makes me want to work harder so he is focused he is dialed in he is down there training and he wants to get his stuff done and uh yeah this is going to be the first fight in his new contract so you you know the thing about it is like if you want to be the best you train with the best and you know i'm not the biggest fan of colby but he's a hell of a fighter I'm so, not, yeah, I'm not a big fan of his antics or anything. No, but. no, no. But when it when it's all said and done, he is a monster in the octagon. And, you know, who knows how that fight against Leon uh, Edwards goes. I think Edwards pulls it out against Covington. But, you know, just going back to Nate the Train, I'll tell you what. If he – I wonder what happens 
let's say he does get this victory, what happens next? Do you know, is he going to face someone in the top 10 more than likely? Uh, we'll have to double check. Do you know where Dan is uh, ranked right now in the I standings? I don't think he is ranked. I'm, I'm not sure that he is ranked, but like I thought, the Alex Karaksis, uh fight, yeah, like maybe that's another thing that they kind of revisit. But like going into it, uh, he was talking about we're talking about just that. You know, he had a four and two record inside the octagon in his last uh, contract. Uh, he revealed that you know when he makes his seventh walk into the cage of UFC 289, it'll be with a brand new four fight contract. And a quote that he gave that website Middle Easy, he said, "I just signed a new contract, so." It's my first fight. I finally renegotiated, and yeah, I pretty much got everything I want. Uh, and we're going to see if this was something that I just bit off uh, a little bit too much to chew. Uh, he said, I had the three fights on my second contract that was with David Onama and the last one against Austin Lingo. And I was like, look, I'm ready to step up and fight whoever, but we can't do it on a second contract kind of uh, something. Uh, can't say, obviously, what he told them, but uh, yeah. Basically, Nate is ready to mix it up. He is ready to get down. He wants to move up in those rankings. And I think where he's training right now down in Miami at MMA Masters, I think that this is going to be – I'm super excited to see what happens. Yeah, and I'm for, I'm sure his form is sharp, but just going back to it, Dan Ige is ranked number 13th uh, okay, yeah, in okay. the world uh, in the featherweight division in the UFC. So this is a – like if he wins this, like he should definitely – Face a f- top 10 competition. Top 10 competition and be ranked himself, whether yeah. it be ranked in the top 15. Like and that, that would be interesting to see how that turns out. If he does win this, especially if he wins this by uh, submission, TKO, KO, yeah. um, even a – like a regular, uh, just a decision. You gotta, you gotta think. Does he jump Alex in that standings at fifteen? I think he should. He should you know he tried to fight Alex? Tried That's the thing him. about it, you know, and it didn't work out. Like, and Nate went on to dominate his replacement fighter, and I think that should speak volumes. Nate's ready to fight anybody, you know. It doesn't matter how short of a time. And look at the gap between his last fight and. His fight against Danny. That's the only thing that kind of concerns me. I think he did this once, uh, like twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one, maybe. Just those, dude. He didn't. He didn't take too much damage in this last fight. That's what I was gonna say. So it's not that. I root for the guy so hard. I just like I don't want bad things to happen, yeah, man. And yeah. I think like I think he he definitely holds his own. He loves getting in there, mixing it up, and you know anybody can anybody can get got any time. Like yeah. anybody can get got. <laughs> That's the same thing goes for Dan Ige, though. Yeah, that's you know? true. Oh, no, no, no. Nate, Nate, Nate ain't going down on this. Uh, I'm calling it Here's right a, now. In that article with Middle Easy, one thing I really liked about what he was saying was, you know, he's talking about Colby Covington uh, training in the same gym as him. What I liked about it is he's not concerned. It doesn't sound like he's concerned with what Colby's doing as far as learning his technique, learning his fighting. Landweir is really trying to hone in on how he fights. He's really trying to focus in on what he wants to do and how he wants to control these matches. And I think that's something really cool because I feel like a lot of fighters go in and in their training, I don't want to say they imitate, but they incorporate other people's styles into their fighting. And I think Landweir is one of those fighters where you can't do that with him. Especially when you get to the, no, especially when you get to this level. Like those studios are professionals. Like Nate's been a champion all throughout the world. They're down there to do business. Their teammates of MMA masters, but like they're down there to get stuff done, uh, get ready for their fights. And like Nate is just dead focused. Yeah. So one thing to mention just real quick too, Nate, how he compares to Ige physically. So Nate is bigger and longer than Ige. So, uh, Nate stands at five foot nine, Ige five foot seven. Uh, they're 
of course, the same weight class. Uh, Nate has a 72-inch reach. Ige has a 71-inch reach. Then also, uh, Nate has a longer leg reach as well, which, you know, those little things do make a difference when it's all said and done. Well, they add up. Exactly. So those leg that's something, aren't a joke. Oh, my gosh, no. You know? And that's something to keep an eye on. But Landwehr's not a big leg kicker, is he? Uh, no. I mean, look, Nate, Nate gets in there. He is very good at checking kicks. He's good at... He's good at levels. He's good at dominating leg kicks, taking him to the ground. Like, he mixes it up. I'm telling you, he is a full... Like, a lot of people think he's just a brawler. Nate is not just a brawler. No, if you look no. at the last couple of fights that he's been in, he checks all the boxes, dude. And, like, that's what's so exciting about Nate. And, uh, yeah, he is fighting fighting very well and fighting for two now, too, because yep. his wife, Robin, is pregnant. If you don't follow Nate on Instagram... Go follow him at Nate the Train. Uh, awesome follow. Keep up to date with everything going on. And uh, yeah, it's going to be an awesome time at UFC 289. Uh, but yeah, no, that is it for the fight realm. Let's move on to the Titans schedule release. Incredible video. Okay, yeah. Let's just get right into the video first. So they released that video. If you don't know the video, they released a... It was basically like a social media campaign for... Uh, the Tennessee Titans. They posted a video of some people in downtown Nashville guessing the names of some NFL teams based on their logos. And the Tennessee Titans uh, came out with 7.7 million views, an incredible amount. Now, the next person below that was the Chargers, who had 2.7 million views. This video was a huge hit for the Tennessee Titans. So yeah, if you, any of y'all who didn't see it, uh, this wasn't even their. This wasn't even their like not main, an official release or anything. not their official schedule release video. Their official one was pretty cool. It was going around some bars in downtown. You had Jeff Fisher in there. You had WWE Sheamus uh, in there. Really cool video. But then they dropped this just Chef's Kiss of a gym in there. Uh, where they go out on the street and just ask a bunch of random people on Broadway. Uh, what these teams were that the Titans get to release. And the responses were... Short of incredible. No, not short of incredible. They were fantastic. So if you didn't, also if you didn't know, uh, the Cowboys are also now in the Tennessee Titans divisions. We're going to be playing them two times this year, if that gives you any indication of how that video went. (laughs) The Boston Bobcats. Um, Chester the Cheeto. Chester the Cheeto. (laughs) Made an appearance. Oh yeah, throwing some shade at the Jacksonville Jaguars as well, saying that's not a, uh, yeah, that's not a team or that's (laughs) not even a league, which I think we could all agree with that, Jacksonville Jaguars. That's rough. Trevor Lawrence is going to turn it around. Dream for Trevor Lawrence. Weren't they just in the playoffs and you know the Titans what? weren't? We're, we're not going to talk about that. Uh, That's something to mention. You know, but, you, you got to give props when it's due. True. Man. Real quick, though, we're going to go down the schedule. Preseason, Titans and Bears, Titans, Vikings, uh, Patriots at the Titans, uh, Titans at the uh, Saints to kick off the season. Uh, that's going to be on September the 10th in New Orleans. Uh, then Titans got the Chargers at home for the home opener on September the 17th at noon. Uh, that's That was the Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen. McQueen. Lightning McQueen. That is the Lightning McQueen. Oh, gosh. It was hilarious. But, uh, yeah, and then take on the Browns, the Bengals, uh, the Colts, uh, the Ravens, the Falcons, Steelers. That'll be a good one for Ooh, this whoop. podcast. Uh, then the Bucks, then back to the FC South, the Jaguars, then take on the Panthers, Colts again, Dolphins, Texans, Seahawks, Texans one more time, and then ending off the season with the Jaguars. So 
Not a bad schedule. Not a bad schedule. I think it's there's going to be some really fun games there. I want to see that Steelers Titans game. I think that's going to be. I pretty wish good. it was many, in Nashville so bad. Oh man, that'd be awesome. How many games do you think Will Levis is going to start, John? Uh, my quarterback. Uh, Will Levis, uh, <laughs> his my, quarterback yeah, now. Yeah, my, my quarterback taking ownership. Always, always supported him. Uh, look, you, you got to see talent where you see talent. No hypocrites over here. Uh, no, no, no. But so Titans minicamp started this uh, past week, and we had some videos come out. We were looking at Will Levis. Uh, he had some good throws. Uh, he had a couple. He's. I think he's got a nice old. Pr- yeah, a couple. I think he's got a nice <laughs> old Pringle on his shoulder right there. And uh, yeah, some of those videos were pretty good. You know, the thing about it is, and I've always kind of thought this when it comes to velocity coming out of his arm, the ball. I, I'd compare him to Cam Newton early in his career, uh, and I'm just saying that based off of those intermediate throws. With the velocity on the ball, you know, it makes a huge difference. All right, you, all right, okay, I'm trying here. You I, will give, I will give you... Time out. I will give go you that watch, Will Levis looked really good on those videos. Go go watch the tape of Cam Newton and compare it to the velocity. I'm sure if we somehow mathematically did Milton it... Too? What? You're going to compare him to Joe Milton, too? No, but... The, <laughs> he oh looked like God. Joe Montana out there. Joe Montana. In his prime. Okay. No, a lot of people said okay. he looked like Ryan Tannehill on some of the things that he was doing. He looked very similar. Like the rollout, the flick of the wrist. A little flick of the wrist. He was throwing it down the field pretty far. I think, what what, what was that one video? He threw like a 50-yarder, 55-yarder. This is where we are... Yeah. And I mean, look. it looked good. He looked good. He. I think you're right. I think he's playing with a huge chip on his shoulder. I mean, he was projected to go in the top 10... Of the NFL draft and then drops to the round two. And that's on the media, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, 100% on the media. Um, uh, maybe not 100% on the media. Look, this is where we're at right now. We are watching rookie minicamp videos, trying to make predictions on uh, future quarterbacks. I think all of us are just really excited for football season to be back. Yeah. And, that's and it just ended. <laughs> well, the, the Dude, the NFL has done a fantastic... Me and Christian were talking about this the other day. The NFL has done a fantastic job of marketing their product. Throughout the off season, like, there's not a company bigger than the NFL and Coca-Cola. Those two companies Coca-Cola. have dominated in the marketing realm and for only, a long time now. And only one of them can get the job done in Atlanta. That's <laughs> true. But uh, yeah, no, it's going to be a fun season. We've had a fun time here uh, for Christian Brown, for Jeff Matthews. I'm John Glass. Peace.